0: Thank you for joining us today as we walk shoulder to shoulder, growing in love of the Lord and each other. I'm Pam Marvin. And I'm Megan Silas. And we're back today on the second half of the Augustine chapter of Friendship and the Fathers, How the Early Church Evangelized by Mike Aquilina. It's really blessed me, Megan. I'm I'm so glad we're doing this because it really does say a lot about uh, what we can learn from our... Past and those that went before us, especially the early Christian fathers' community. You know, I love the movie um, Saint Paul that was with uh, Oh yeah, Jim Caviezel,
1: mm-hmm. and that was
0: really good. It was so good because it really gave us an insight at how those really early Christians loved each other, and even there's a threat of death if you were discovered to be a Christian. So mm-hmm. I love peeking into that time in history.
1: Yeah, it's really neat. Uh, and it really, it reminds me that, you know, a lot of the reason that we even know of these things is because uh, so much correspondence was done by letters. And so those letters were preserved. And so we get to c- continue to read them these days. And it makes me realize how much less of that that we are going to have in these days because people don't tend to write letters. And I, I don't know... Technology th- is really kind of messed. Yeah, is, is
0: enhanced, but really kind of
1: taking things away as well. Right. I'm not sure how much uh, saving of text that's happening. <laughs> There's a lot of conversations that happen on text. You know, it's interesting. Um, I've had some friendships that kind of at their start, um, were on text a lot before we had the opportunity to really be together, and there are actually some really. Beautiful ways that we engaged in that communication. Where the beauty of a text, as opposed to being in a conversation, is that you do have a little bit of time to actually think about what you're going to say and and, and write it in a way that is clear and um, you know best gets across your point of view mm-hmm. or your feeling or or something. And so there are definitely positives to communication that happens in writing, even if it's, you know, text. Yeah. yeah it's more articulate. Yeah. It, it's just, you. it's more uh, thought out often, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to sometimes, you know, we just blah, <laughs> say things and you don't really take the time to, to really ponder. Is that ex- really what I meant to say? Is that really capturing, you know, what I think and feel? Um, so these letters are, are beautiful, but, um, it also brings to bear the reality that in the past, when we didn't have phones and we didn't have texts and we didn't have cars to hop in and go visit people so that it made that easy and communication was slower and more difficult, uh, you could get into some problems. And that's what happens in this part of the chapter with Augustine. It's super cool, I think, that Augustine had a friendship with St. Jerome. I mean, these are two giants of the church. Mm -hmm. I mean, St. Augustine is considered basically the preeminent father of theology and saint jerome is the scripture scholar he is the one for those of you who don't know who translated the bible from greek and hebrew into latin
0: okay yeah so
1: when you hear the term the latin vulgate
0: Mm -hmm. which
1: is a term for like the first latin translation of the bible saint jerome did that wow and I, i just
0: remember him as the grumpy old saint
1: Yeah. And and he's characterized that way a lot. Um, But I have to say in this little thing, I think he had plenty of justification for being grumpy at St. Augustine. (laughs) Okay. Um, But St. Jerome's also the one whose uh, famous quote is ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ. Mm -hmm. And, um, but the interesting thing is, is that even if you're not, ignorant of scripture. If, in fact, if you know scripture very, very well, like St. Jerome and St. Augustine did, sometimes you can come into differences of opinion about how mm. to interpret scripture. Mm-hmm. Cause the beauty of scripture is that it is alive. It's living and active and sharper than a two edged sword. But sometimes that sword can, uh, can cut you because what happens in this chap in, in the chapter that we learn about Augustine and Jerome and the relationship that they had, um, they had a lot of correspondence, and they would write back and forth about you know various things regarding spiritual things. You know, they both had a passion for it, uh, but they didn't always a hundred percent agree on everything. And so, what happens is is that Augustine publishes a letter that contradicts something that Saint Jerome had written, and he. Doesn't let Saint Jerome know ahead of time that he's going to do this. Ah, okay, okay. And Saint Jerome finds out about it, and he's like, "What the what?" Mm-hmm. And but the thing is, is that the letter that he sees isn't actually signed by Augustine; it's just attributed to Augustine. So what Saint Jerome does, which I think is very laudable, he's like, "I'm not. I'm not going to just assume." that this happened the way it seems to have happened that this guy that my friend has publicly contradicted me in a way that doesn't feel great and he didn't even let me know he was going to do it so he gives him the benefit of the doubt which i think is a beautiful thing to do in friendship do not jump to conclusions oh, based on hearsay and great. put the words of somebody that you're not intimate with that you don't love above finding out from the horse's mouth, shall we say, from the person that you're in relationship with, clear it with them before you start jumping to conclusions. Right? Mm -hmm. So Jerome's like, okay, I'm not going to just assume that you wrote this. uh, So I'm going to come back to you and I'm going to see, did you actually write this? And Augustine gets a little weird with him. Because he doesn't really say yes or no. What he does is he kind of says, well, let's talk about the content of the letter. Is it not true what what it says? Like, do you, do you disagree with what's being expressed? And Jerome's like, uh, that's not the issue right now. Mm. The issue is, did you write it or not? And D'Augustin's just sort of like not really saying. Not being straightforward. He's not being straightforward. And he's kind of trying to basically prove that what he wrote was correct before he acknowledges that he wrote it. Right? Yeah, yeah. He's being sneaky. He's being sneaky. (laughs) And he's kind of trying to... He's kind of self protecting, yeah. Because he doesn't. It seems like, you know, he wants to make sure that Saint Jerome kind of agrees with him before he admits. But Jerome's not having any of it. Finally, holds his feet to the fire, and uh, and and Augustine admits. Yeah, I wrote it. But then, okay. This is where it really goes bad, I think. Okay. Because then Augustine starts saying like, well, I tried to let you know, I did try to send you a letter, but clearly it must have gotten lost (laughs) and didn't get to you in time. And Jerome's like, oh no, because I have found out that this very material was published like years ago. Mm. And so that's not going to fly. And so... Augustine, he just wasn't owning up to his stuff, right? But then he starts saying, Augustine uh, is talking about how, well, wouldn't, You, I would want you to criticize me if I saw you were doing something, saying, you know, that I was saying something that was incorrect. I'd want you to criticize me or correct me. So he's trying to justify the action of the criticism instead of owning up to the reality that it wasn't so much the criticism that Jerome was upset about. It was the lack of communication.
0: Right, right. So important in friendship.
1: Right, because Augustine says, you say also that if there is anything in your writings which has displeased me and which I would wish to correct, you're ready to receive my criticism as a brother. And you would not only assure me that you would rejoice in such proof of my goodwill towards you, but you earnestly ask me to do this. I tell you again without reserve that what I feel, your chal- and this is Jerome saying... You're challenging an old man, disturbing the peace of one who asks only to be allowed to be silent. And you seem to <laughs> desire to display your learning. Yeah. <laughs> He's so, calling him out yeah, right there. Yeah, because Augustine's like, oh, you're begging me to correct you. And you're telling me that I should want you to correct me and everything. But I think the reality here isn't so much that you're looking for correction as much as you are looking to prove your intelligence. Yes. At my expense. Wow. He called him out. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so... What I think that really speaks to is purity of intention. We talk a lot about how it's important that we admonish, you know, our beloved friends when we feel that they're in error. Mm -hmm. But before we do that, it's very important to check ourselves as to why we feel we want to admonish somebody. Do we want to admonish them truly for their good or because we're perceiving some good for ourselves out of it?
0: Right. Very important when it comes to true spiritual friendships is
1: to have that level of trust to know that you have the other's interest at heart. Right. And so what Jerome is saying here when he says, You're challenging an old man, disturbing the peace of one who asks only to be allowed to be silent. And you seem to desire to display your learning. What he's saying is, at my expense, you're trying to look good. And that, it's not good. It's not good if that's the reality. And now, of course, Augustine has the opportunity, perhaps, to say whether or not that is true or not that he's trying to display his learning and, and everything and and look like the smarter one or somehow have a spirit of competition with Jerome. Um because you know this can happen sometimes among friends, even friends who do truly love each other. Sometimes there's healthy competition, which helps you spur on each other to to greater heights. Right, right. But sometimes that competition can be a little unhealthy and you can start maybe resenting that your friend who you felt you were in lockstep step with right. now seems to be getting honors that you're not getting. Or seems to be being put in places of authority when you're not being put in those places. And sometimes jealousy can creep in. Yeah, you know, what
0: strikes me on between Jerome and Augustine is too, maybe the, we were talking earlier about the difference between men and women and their friendships. It sounds like there's like this real big competitive component Mm
1: -hmm. that Augustine
0: was actually feeling. Right. Very competitive. Um, mm. Instead of being more thoughtful, because like for me, if I knew I disagreed with something that you had written, I'd welcome a deep conversation to hear both sides and and kind of hash it out verbally first. Mm. That sounds exciting to me, right? right? Right. Instead of just being competitive and saying, "Oh, I want to look good. Let me put mine out there first, mm. contradict you."
1: Yeah. And I do think also sometimes there's a a level of impatience, like, Mm -hmm. you know, for somebody who really is in love with ideas and and, and gets excited about things, theological things and expressing things. And, you know, maybe Augustine, you know, was like, oh, wait, no, I totally see this differently. And I can't wait to write it down. And I can't wait to just get those thoughts out there. And, And his own excitement in led to an impatience which didn't give him the pause to say but wait a second if i do this how's this going to impact my friend um and so sometimes we have to pull the reins on our enthusiasm even even if it's a holy enthusiasm pull those reins a little bit and and just ask ourselves okay but what are the implications of what i'm about to do here as far as especially if we're contradicting somebody who we respect, you know, um, and probably this, if he had had this conversation with Jerome or had a back and forth about this, it was like, well, did you really mean that? And what do you think about this? Probably what they could have come up with together would have been better than so what much. either of them yes, came up exactly. with alone. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause iron sharpens iron. That's right. right. For sure. And, but instead we get, <laughs> We get an example of maybe how not to function uh, in friendship. Yeah, I mean, don't don't make Augustine's mistake. Right, and I will I will hand it to Jerome. He uh, he lays it out uh, very clearly uh, in his letter when he's saying farewell, my very dear friend, my son in years, my father in ecclesiastical dignity, because mm-hmm. Jerome wasn't a bishop, but Augustine was a bishop. And he finishes by saying this. I ask you to take care of one thing in particular from now on, make sure I'm the first to receive any letters you write to me. Oh, yep. And I think that point that Jerome made there, don't surprise me with things that should have come to me first, but also, to be explicit about your needs to the friend, he basically what Jerome is saying there is what you did hurt me. And it made me question your care for me. Like it made me question whether you are more interested and in appearing to be the greater mind than you are about your love for me. And so if you want to love me well, if you, truly are the friend that you claim to be I ask this of you and so if we have a friend that does that and we don't heed that you're really probably going to lose that friendship yes and you may not even understand why they need something like that. You know, this is pretty clear. But, you know, in a circumstance, maybe there's some sensitivity that a friend has that somehow some something that shouldn't really tweak them does tweak them. And they interpret it in a way that's painful. So even if you think they shouldn't feel that way, if they're saying, look, in this place that I am right now, can you have a care? Can you please... Please try not to do that because that that is painful to me and it, and it speaks to me not of love. If we say, if we go back to that person like, you're being ridiculous. You shouldn't be, you shouldn't respond that way. I'm not going to cooperate with that. Well, okay. You may be justified in the fact that they may be being irrational, but you're very likely going to lose that friend. And so you have to ask yourself, what's more important, feeling justified or loving well? Well put. Yeah. Because uh, that feeling of, I was justified, can get us in a lot of trouble Mm. in relationships and lead to a lot of ruptures of relationships.
0: Right. I see. That's the smoke of Satan entering in, if you ask me, when you can justify kind of um, not good choices. Definitely the smoke of Satan. I have to be aware of that and be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit guiding us along those paths of what to say, what to think, how to respond, especially when it comes to the care and keeping of these kinds of friendships.
1: Absolutely. So we've covered Augustine in The Friend That Died, which I don't actually think they give him a name in our last episode, and then I now we've just talked about his relationship with Jerome. And the end of this chapter, he talks about a relationship with a man, uh, Paulinus of Nola, and how they became great friends through letters. Okay. And so this is an interesting thing to move into now because we talked about how a lot of this stuff maybe could have gotten taken care of if there was easier communication abilities because, you know, they can't text, they can't call, they can't get in a car and drive and go see the guy. And so that inhibits um, conversation and communication. But a big focus of this part of the chapter with Paulinus is the fact that their relationship basically was executed almost completely through letters. And Augustine has this great desire to want to meet him and want to be in his presence. And he Polinus doesn't seem to have as big of an impulse uh, in that direction. Um, And the author writes that Augustine insisted that seeing a friend in person was still a big part of friendship. And that's something um, that we've talked about a bit as we, you know, talked about how to foster, foster spiritual friendship and that time in the physical presence of another person is hugely valuable And goes a long way to building intimacy Um, because as much as you can talk on the phone and um, write letters and, you know, text and and all those sort of things, it's not the same. Yeah, as a
0: side, I mean, you can take the whole Facebook phenomenon, how when you see people being very combative with one another on Facebook, but yet when they're face to face, their mercy, their compassion starts to just wave in and they wouldn't say things, you know, to that person, right. um, if weren't more anonymous, but being hidden behind that. So that, that's just a way to illustrate the, the dramatic difference between the face to face and then the behind a screen or through technology.
1: Yeah. But I also think that even if there's not some contention that you're, you're needing to resolve, I really believe in the strong value of the physical component of intimate relationships. And this is relevant, not just in romantic relationships, but also in platonic relationships. And I think that the Lord acknowledges that need within us. In the sense that he's given us his physical presence exactly. in the Eucharist, I think right? Same thing, right? You're, I see yeah. it in your eyes. I yeah, like, yes, you... I see where I you're going. Like, right as I'm then. talking about this, I get, like just I saw her eyes, <laughs> and she's like, I knew Pam was thinking she's about to talk about the Eucharist right now. <laughs> yep, and she that's totally is. is. Yeah, right. That's right. And so, yeah, the Lord Himself, He recognizes we need the physical to have a, a great knows degree us of so intimacy. Well. I wonder why. Cause he made us. Yeah. yeah. He made us that way. <laughs> mm-hmm. He put that in the heart of man that we are meant to love with our bodies as well as with mm. our minds and Amen. with our souls. Amen. Right. And so if we want deep intimacy and in relationship, we need to be able to have our senses involved. Yeah. We need to see the person. We need to touch the person right. to feel that connection, that, that sense of wonder of the existence of the other. Right. You know, like it's not just some, it's just like with God. So many people think of God as this like mystical, like cloud of existence and that, that he's, and it inhibits the ability to love when all you have is some some sort of ephemeral concept mm-hmm. of God? We're 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 fleshy. Mm-hmm. We are fleshy, and we need to love fleshy in addition to spiritually, because we're both right. Mm-hmm. And just that God knows that, and He gives us Himself in Christ the Son, the incarnate Second Person of the Trinity. We need to give ourselves to each other physically. And while in, in the marriage relationship, that physical intimacy, you know, looks a certain way in the relationship of friendship, it looks like the presence of the Mm -hmm. other being Mm -hmm. next to that person, being able to like, if I was on the phone having this conversation with Pam I couldn't see that look in her eye Mm -hmm. that she knows what I'm about (laughs) to talk about. And I know her well enough to know that. And there's an intimacy that comes from just the knowledge, right? right? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's in those places of seeing, touching, knowing that we grow in intimacy. And so, you know, I've said it before on this podcast and I'm going to say it again right now, and I'll probably say it a hundred times in the future. If you're lamenting that you don't have close intimate relationships look at what you're doing with your time yes and ask yourself am i prioritizing real time with a friend that i am drawn to
0: yeah i want to just kind of like do a little pause um and reflect about how the whole year of 2020 got us so much more comfortable with the zoom and the and the lack of that personal presence because because of ease right and I, and i just want to to call this to your attention my brothers and sisters to say if you have found that because of ease try to undo that some because the actual physical presence there's just there's no replacement for that i mean i, I understand sometimes it's very valuable for that uh, mother with small children who wouldn't otherwise be able to participate But if
1: you have a choice to meet in person, meet in person. Right. Absolutely. And I would say we may have gotten accustomed to it, but we were never really comfortable with it. And I think the discomfort that we experienced of the isolation during those times continues to reverberate. And you're seeing a lot of mental health issues, especially with young, with teenagers and things that really are directly a result of that lack of connection, that yeah. feeling of isolation that comes from not experiencing relationship in that physical close proximity. And it's just so important and, and it's worth it. It's so worth important. your time. It really, really is. And, and not
0: just the time, Megan, but I think what stops a lot of people uh, is the... The, the need to be vulnerable. I mean, the fear of being vulnerable, because true friendships have a lot of vulnerability in them. True, You have to, to, to make it deeper and more intimate. And people today are very, very frightened about that. I think, you know, the the technology world and all of that has, has kept us at such arm's length that it's uncomfortable or uh,
1: very uncomfortable to be vulnerable to another. So
0: practice vulnerabilities, my brothers and sisters.
1: Yeah. And I think as we finish this uh, episode, uh, one of the things that St. Augustine was really, really good at was being vulnerable. Like he expressed himself in very open, vulnerable ways. He just kind of pours his heart out when he writes and he just lays it all out there. So as we talked about this topic of being in the presence of another, I wanted to end with this quote uh, from the book, which I just thought was really beautiful. I believe it's on page 85 but you know, I've been wrong about page numbers before because I'm using a Kindle version, but I'm going to read it and just, just listen to it and and hear what he's saying and how beautiful it is where he talks about the desire to be in the presence of the other. He says, what has happened to me is strange yet true. I grieve because I do not see you and my grief itself comforts me For I neither admire nor covet a fortitude easily consoled under the absence of good men such as you are. For do we not long for the heavenly Jerusalem? And the more impatiently we long for it, do we not the more patiently submit to all things for its sake? Who can so withhold himself from joy in seeing you as to feel no pain when you are no longer seen? I at least can do neither. And seeing that if I could, it could only be by trampling on right and natural feeling. I rejoice that I cannot. And in this rejoicing, I find some consolation. It is therefore not the removal, but the contemplation of this sorrow that consoles me. Okay, you got to unpack that one a little bit for me. Okay, so basically what he's saying is, is that he is sad. He misses his friend. He wants to see his friend. And he's saying that the very fact that he feels this pain is a comfort to him because it's a reminder of how precious his friend is to him. Okay. I got it. I got it. Right. That's that's
0: really actually just really charming. It is so charming. And I
1: also love that he says, do we not long for the heavenly Jerusalem? What is the heavenly Jerusalem? To me, it's two things. It's to behold the glory of God and all his beauty and to do it together mm. with all of our brothers and sisters who have believed. It's to never, Amen. ever be separated mm-hmm. from God or from each other, mm-hmm. either separated in, in our physical presence or in the desires of our heart. Right. We are all together where God is all and all For eternity. And this is what we're meant to long for as Christians, to never be separated from God and to be with each other forever. And so if we grieve to not be in, in the presence of a beloved brother or sister in Christ, that is good because it means that we're longing for the thing that's beyond this world. And it reminds us that we can have a piece of heaven on earth when together we come together yes. and behold the almighty in each other's presence. It is love. Amen. It Amen. is love to love the absence and in the
0: presence. That's right.
1: So we will miss your absence until the next episode. <laughs> sure. And uh, if you've been blessed by this uh, episode or any of them, right. uh, we really would pray that you would just share it with others uh, and, you know, maybe be a place of, of conversation uh, with you and and, and friends and just go deeper into these ideas together. And uh, we just hope that uh, it is blessing you as it blesses us to talk about these beautiful things. I'm so thankful. So until next
0: time, let's stay united in prayer. God bless.
1: God bless.